Welcome to a healthy bite. You're one nibble closer to a more satisfying way of life, a healthier you, and bite-sized bits of healthy motivation. Now let's dig in on the dish with Rebecca Huff. Today, we are back with Jennifer Taylor. She's with us again today, and we're going to be talking today about life scripts. And if you didn't listen to the previous podcast with Jennifer, I hope you'll take a minute to go back and listen to that. I'm going to have the link to that in the show notes and in the description box below if you happen to be watching the video on YouTube. But basically, Jennifer wrote a book called Spiritual and Broke, or Spiritual But Broke, right? Spiritual and, and broke. And broke. And okay. Yeah. And then um, she also has a practice. So why don't you go ahead and just to, in case some of our listeners didn't get a chance to listen to the first time you were on the show, can you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So I'm Jennifer Taylor. Um, I've been running a business called Quantum Touch for the last 17 years. We teach energy um, medicine or energy healing workshops around the world. We have a bunch of instructors teaching. And um, it basically works with our life force energy, or what some people call chi or prana, and uh, to help facilitate the healing process. So um, we've seen a lot of um, relief, uh, pain relief, or um, you know, sometimes we see miraculous things happen, like cancer going away, or um, you know, what we call uh, miracles. And um, it's a really great business, and um, I, I love doing it. I've been doing it for a long time. Nice. Um, so I guess since we're talking about scripts, uh, we'll kind of introduce what we mean a little bit about those. I guess you could call them, we were saying childhood scripts the last time after we stopped recording, we talked a little bit about childhood scripts. I've heard them called other things. I have always called them my storylines. Um, mm -hmm. but basically we're just talking about, um, kind of perceptions that we have of ourselves and our world and how we fit into kind of our world and how these storylines impact um, the rest of our lives and how these scripts kind of get into our head. So can you kind of give us a general idea of what you mean when you talk about these scripts? Stories. Yeah, and I think stories are also a really good term. I love that. Um, basically, what I mean is that if, if you're uh, if your life isn't how you want it to be, which I know a lot of people, um, you know, email me and say, I'm in pain or my relationships suck or, you know, my money situation isn't where I want to be. Um, I like to look at what beliefs or what programming, you know, maybe we're not even aware of what programming we have that gets in the way of creating a life that we want. So, it, you know, if somebody says, I really want a partner, and they're just, you know, they're manifesting the same unavailable man over and over again, or unavailable person or woman. Um, it's like, what, why? And, and, you know, why is this? And so uh, my belief is that the reason why we have these repetitive and sometimes not very fun patterns is we're operating off of programming that many times we got when we were really young, that got implanted to us at a very early age. And uh, I'll get personal here. I'll give you an example. Um, I've, uh, up until recently, I've had a long history of, of dating men who were varying degrees of unavailable. And it was the same pattern, you know, the same disappointing thing where, you know, they, they don't text or call or they disappear or you get into a relationship and 
there's a lack of intimacy or connection. And it's like the common factor in this is me, you know, <laughs> right? It's not all these men, it's, it's me and, and having perhaps the humility to recognize that I'm, I'm playing a role in this and I'm not a victim and this is what I'm creating. And the reason is, uh, you know, why? What, what beliefs, you know, what scripts, what, how, you know, why am I creating this? And, and I believe that you can track this usually down to a point where a certain belief got implanted. And when I was, you know, spiraling down to examine this, the first thing I looked at is, well, how do I feel when a man ghosts on me or somebody disappears or treats me less than optimally? Well, I feel sad and, and angry and upset. So that, that's where you start. You know, you recognize that you feel emotionally triggered. And, and then what story does that trigger, um, you know, bring up? oh, well, I must be too ugly, or I must not be um, a good person, or these are my stories, but people may have right. their own. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like not pretty enough, or I'm not, um, so what's your, you know, what's your story that that emotion, you know, starts to bring up? And, and usually mine were like, I'm not pretty enough, or um, I'm too weird, or eccentric for relationships, so this is all I can, all I deserve. <laughs> And, and so then you kind of chunk down, like, when's the first time in your life you felt that way? And, you know, so you kind of spiral back in time. Well, I felt this way two years ago. And then I felt this way six months ago when that person did that. And, and you'll notice the common theme of feeling. And the first time I felt this way when I was bullied in grade school, people were making fun of my looks, you know, or, and then I felt that way when I was in fourth grade and my mom told me, that I was too fat or too skinny or, or a coach told me I was too fat or too skinny. Like you can, and then I was triggered by that. So you can trace this down to your origin. And I believe a lot of this is, is childhood. Wow. I, I, I can't believe how much of what you just said are the things that I wrote down that I are in my notes. Cause I was thinking about it and I actually wrote that we get these cause I'm like writing and I'm like the problem, what's the problem that we're going to talk about. So people have this problem. Some common scripts are, I'm not good enough. No one will ever love me. I'm unlucky. Or they can also look like labels, troublemaker, or, or even the opposite gifted. Don't let us down. You know, you're the smart one. So those kind of storylines. And then I'm like, where do we get these life scripts from? Oh, it's various places. Maybe it's our parents, our teachers, or other people who influence us. And um, it's just funny because everything you said was exactly what was going through my mind when we talked about this before and now. Um, I think so many times we create these stories just to help us make sense of things that happened in our childhood, whether it's good things that happened or bad things that happened, but we start to believe that these storylines are our record. And I, I, I visualize it kind of almost like, you know how you would put that record on and when it got to the end, it would just go back and start playing again. The arm would pick up. I'm really dating myself, but the, the record needle would go back and it would start playing from the beginning again. And, and it would just start. And so we start believing that this is a permanent fixture in our life. So how do these stories and our belief in them change the trajectory of our life. So these stories actually generate our reality if we allow them. 
And that's usually what's at play with people when something's not working out like they'd like, it's usually the culprit is one of these stories is directing your life. Because I believe that our, our external circumstances are self-generated, like we are generating this to show us what we believe about ourselves. And, and it's for our growth. Like ultimately the idea is to get to the point where, where you're generating a really great reality on all fronts. And to do that, the part is to, to unravel some of these stories so that we can feel whole as beings, you know, we can feel whole and complete within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and then you can attract like different realities. But the idea is to process and release these stories that, that don't serve us. And, and what we're generating on the outside is to, to bring up a story that doesn't serve for the process of, of releasing and forgiveness on it. That's what I believe. So that when you decide, all right, you know, this story, well, that's an interesting story, but I don't, it's not right. It's not correct. It's just a story. If you can kind of detach a little bit from the, the story saying it's, it's not true or false, it's just a story, you know, and, and realizing that your beliefs are not true or false. They're just beliefs. And, and kind of creating that little uh, consciousness of what you're running, like a little separation. So you're not identified with the story. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really like, because once you can kind of say, okay, that story is just a story. It's not me. I may be running it, but it's not who I am. I'm a, I'm a spiritual, eternal, loving soul. And, and I'm just happen to be wearing that story as a costume. Wow. You know, like a Halloween costume, you just take off the story and say, okay, let's generate a different reality rather than like identifying that, you know, making that story your identity. That's the first step is to create that little gap between the story and yourself as an internal, conscious, spiritually alive and loving being. That is so good. And you know, that can actually be applied in so many different ways because the storyline doesn't always have to be um, just pertaining to you, but it can also be a storyline you've created in a relationship. Because mm-hmm. I think this is one of the things that we talked about before is that I had, well, my husband and I had created all of these storylines about our relationship. And we both had these almost separate storylines that were keeping us from progressing into a successful marriage. And once we identified those and I could see like just how you were saying, okay, this is a storyline. And I did, I put a distance between myself and that storyline. And I was able to see it when that book opened up. Oh, I know the script. Okay. I'm not going to go there. And I would choose a different script. I would choose a different storyline. And that's when stuff started changing. I think that's awesome. And that's very, that's very, sometimes really hard to do, but that's amazing. Cause let's say you get triggered by your spouse's behavior you know, and, and so the, the tendency is to just go yell at your spouse or, or, you know, be, you know, um, that, that's, that's easy to do it, you know, blame it on that, your spouse and, and get into a fight. Um, instead, you know, what I like to do is if I get triggered by someone's behavior, spouse or, um, uh, partner, or whatever, I, I take a step back and say, okay, I was, I feel like really angry about that, or I feel sad about what he did you know, what story am I running that makes me feel sad? Like what story did that produce when he did that behavior? So what story did that bring up? So I take a step back and say, okay, what I got triggered by that. So, you know, it brought up this belief that, um, 
you know, I'm not pretty or, or whatever it triggered mm -hmm. for me. So then you can say, all right, is that story true? He, he certainly didn't intend, you know, to, to bring up that story or trigger me. I just got triggered because usually you're, you know, the closest people in your life are like the perfect match to bring up your stories. Right. <laughs> They're like perfectly matched. Yes. It's, it's definitely something that he didn't do intentionally and neither did I, but it just, like you said, you know, it's those childhood scripts. And once you get kind of stuck in them, you're not intentionally triggering the other person. And I don't think he was intentionally triggering me, but it just, you know, it is like that broken record that starts playing. And then you're like, oh my goodness, here we go again. How do I stop this? I want to get off. You talked about something that had happened to you that made you rethink your childhood scripts and you know, listeners can go back and listen to that episode. So we aren't going to go into the whole story again, but, um, so if history does seem to be in this repeating pattern, it's not hopeless, right? Because you experienced breaking free of those scripts. You want to tell um, us more about that? Yeah. So one of the things I feel like is really important to recognize is that, um, life is not happening to you. And in the first interview, I, I did a whole, um, talked a lot about, you know, initially I, I viewed life from the standpoint of a victim, like things just happened to me and bad things happened to me. And I was just a victim and I didn't have money and it wasn't my fault. Um, you know, I didn't have good relationships and, you know, I'm just a victim of these unavailable man. I had a lot of victim consciousness going on. And then in the first interview I talked about, I had a wake up call in the back of a police car, um, that really made me rethink, um, that victim script that I was running. And um, it, because the, the thing is, is that I had this shift of, I'm not a victim, I create my reality. You know, the reality is a realm of energy. I'm projecting, you know, my beliefs, my energy, um, what's in my heart into the reality. And the reality is just merely reflecting that back to me. And that's known a lot as the law of attraction. And um, so to, to really believe that is a, is a stretch for a lot of people, because what it means is that you're creating everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. And, and sometimes the ugly is really ugly. And um, so what I like to say is, can you take back your power in the face of these really horrible realities? And if you can, then once you take back your power, you can realize that you can change it. And, and that's really important because so many people feel like they're just stuck because life is just happening to them. Like the universe is some like random place that just generates horrible things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and there's random acts of evil and, and people are just bad. And, and these, these types of scripts because, and, and, and I'm a victim of my body, like my body's in pain and I'm a victim. Um, and so what I like to say is let's take back our power and realize that we're generating our realities. And once you do that, then you can start to unravel why. But the first thing is to really understand from a very deep level that this, your life is your creation. So and I takes, think that's too hard. Yeah. It takes a lot of introspection. I think 
since the last time we talked, I've really like tried to think about, you know, where did these, this particular storyline come from? And I honestly haven't gotten to the bottom of it yet. I mean, and you, you'll have, I mean, people are going to have a lot of different scripts. I mean, and there's this and there's that, but, and I don't want to get into anything specific, but how do we start unraveling this? I mean, you think about, like you said, the, the last time I felt this and what happened, but it just, it's so jumbled up in there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so what I like to do is, let's say I get triggered by something, you know, the triggering, there's usually two elements to it. And when I say triggered, it's usually um, something elicits a negative emotional response. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, so there's two components to this. One is the emotion. You know, you're, you're angry, you're mad, you're, you're sad, you know, that you have this intense emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. And that's what I call emotionally triggered. The second is the story that this emotional act, um, reaction elicits. So there's two components, the story, mm -hmm. um, oh, I was betrayed or I was, you know, made fun of or, or whatever, um, whatever that story is, or I don't deserve better or there's usually a story and the idea is to catch yourself, to identify the feelings and also the story. And uh, I really like, I think that's really important because the tendency is to blame the other person or right. blame the IRS or, or blame you know, something outside of yourself for the emotion yes. rather than that, rather than owning it. Right. So uh -huh. the first step is to own it and say, okay, I feel, I feel instead of saying, Oh, he did something really bad you know, or she did something really bad to say, okay, I feel very angry by that person's actions. Yes. That's step number one. Cause then you're taking ownership of it. It's not, it's not what that person did. It's how you're feeling about it and saying, you know, I feel really angry. And the you're second, choosing to feel a victim. You're choosing to feel angry and, and you're choosing, you know, this is your choice that you're choosing to feel angry by their actions. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this gets a little tricky because sometimes people do, things that are less like, you know, people steal things from other people or break into your house or break into your car or whatever. Um, and, and that can be a little tricky, but again, I would say, take a step back and, and feel like, okay, I'm really angry that this person broke into my car. And this is where it requires a high level of ownership because then once you process the feelings, you can look and say, why did I attract that? And that's a step that I think a lot of people, that's hard. That's a hard step because the, the tendency is to say I was just a victim of a crime. Yes. But what I really think is important is to say, you know, why did I attract that? Because normally people tend to attract the same thing over and over again. They may be victims of multiple crimes. Uh -huh. You know, it's the same pattern or just repeating itself. So to actually change that, uh, say, why did I attract it? Now, when you're in the midst of dealing with a super heavy emotion, I don't recommend trying to ask yourself why I attracted that in the midst of feeling the intensity of the, of the anger because it's too premature. Right. Um, one of the most insulting things you can do to a person, I feel like it's a person, you know, it's they're right in the midst of this, oh, my car got broken into, I'm so upset. You're, and, and you're, you know, well, why did you attract that? You know, that, that's not what you want to do. Not the when right thing to right say. In the midst of it, you know, that's really annoying. It, you know, so, so when you're kind of talking to a friend or counseling somebody until they fully process the emotion and release it and are ready to examine their role in the attraction, that's when you start talking about it, but not when someone's like 
it just happened and they're all, you know, dealing with the feelings. All right. So is there a certain thing that you see, like, for example, you mentioned betrayal. So let's just pick that one out of the hat. Um, so say someone is a victim of, I'm using air quotes, victim of betrayal. They get betrayed repeatedly, whether it's, you know, their spouse, uh, the guy they're seeing or a friend or a business relationship or whatever. Um, say someone got screwed over in their business repeatedly. Say this is the third or fourth time the same thing has happened to them and they are starting to recognize, okay, this is something that this is, I'm bringing this into my life. I recognize that, you know, this, this is happening to me over and over and over again. Now I'm starting to pick it apart. Do you see a common theme? One of the things that really get you going, mm -hmm. like really get you upset or, or like a thematic yeah. thing. For me, it was unavailable, you know, these, these men that show up in a less than optimal way in my life, it was like less than available men and it got annoying you know really heartbreaking because it's just over and over again you know it's the same theme and um and, and recognizing that it's a theme first of all and that it that you're attracting it and and i think that's really hard so i typically see like these things that appear over and over again it's just like a lifetime theme that may have um started very young you know right. maybe you, you were in an abusive family and you yeah, had you mentioned felt, to, no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, um, you know, I've, I've, I heard a story, a, a person was growing up in an abusive family and then they started manifesting like betrayals mm -hmm. in their life because they, you know, they had this unprocessed emotion around the abuse and then just kept on getting abused over and over again in their life. So it's, it, you know, sometimes it starts really, really young. Mm -hmm. So you had said, um, the, this was one thing is uh, attracting these emotionally unavailable men. But then you also had this um, debt that you were dealing with and you turned all of kind of turned all of this stuff around during this seven or eight year period of time. Were the two unrelated? Was it two separate things or were they somehow intertwined? Uh, this is like a multi-layered thing because, you know, debt. Okay. So debt um, and people who, who maybe treat you less than optimally, um, it kind of has a similar theme of worthiness. That, that, that could be one issue with the debt because if you're running your life at a loss financially, which is what debt is, you're, you know, you're spending more than you earn every month. And so you're bleeding money every, every um, thing. This, one of the scripts I had, I had multiple scripts, but one of the scripts I have is like, I don't deserve to run my life at a profit. Hmm. I, I deserve to be losing every, you know, money every month. I don't deserve to make money on my money, you know, to, to run things, you know, where, where my money makes money, you know, I, I don't deserve to have profit is like abundance. It's a feeling of overflow mm -hmm. that I have enough, like, I'm so happy it overflows type of energy and, and debt is more like, I, you know, I, I, I can't make it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm incapable. I'm, I'm, you know, I can't, it, it's a, it's a feeling of self, um, negative self-talk when you have debt, you know, nobody really feels good about their debt. It's like, Oh, I'm a bad person. I have debt. I just can't get it together. It's, it's these feelings of unworthiness that start to crop in. And the same with dating somebody who, who may, you know, who, who doesn't text you back or who disappears. It's like, 
you know, oh, I, I'm just not a good person. You know, these, these scripts of just feeling less than. And that's the same script, just it manifests with money and, and relationship and, and also sometimes health, you know, feeling like I don't, I don't deserve to feel good. Wow. And, and I'm packing that, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're past that. So can you tell us a little bit about how you stopped this broken record? The first thing was to identify that um, that I wasn't just a victim of all of this. To identify that I actually this is my reality creation. This I'm generating this, like taking responsibility, and then I'm generating debt. I'm I'm attracting you know men who aren't showing up in a way I'd like them to show up. I'm I'm attracting this to to take ownership of that because I, you know I was just stuck in this victim thing of spinning around like oh it's the RS's fault it's the guy's fault. It's, it's that fault. I was just spinning in this blame thing. And so the first thing I had to do was like, this blame thing has to stop. So I put my foot down in front of myself and said, I'm going to stop doing the blame and, and look at myself. So first of all, it's just a willingness to look inward. And I think that that was the first thing I had to do. And it was hard because I didn't want to, <laughs> right. You know, I didn't want to like admit that, um, I was, I had to, you know, look, I had to take an honest look at, you know, what did I believe? And it's painful to, to look inward and say, wow, like, I'm really, I don't believe I deserve anything, you know, and, and just recognizing that, wow, I'm, I'm really, I'm like really angry that, you know, just taking ownership of that can be really hard. Um, it's also the willingness to forgive, you know, a lot of times, like, you know, when life feels unfair, um, and it felt unfair. Like my debt felt unfair. How I was treated by these men felt really unfair. Like I didn't, you know, I, this is not fair. Like other people get married. Why not me? You know, other people are like able to buy the house of their dreams. Why not me? You know, you start comparing, it feels unfair. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, you know, oh, well, he really broke my heart and he's a bad person, you know, that type of thing um, is to forgive that because you're holding on to this frequency of energy of, um, you know, I deserve to be treated poorly or I deserve debt. And that frequency of energy is locked into your whole system. So when you're holding on to that frequency of energy by, by still being angry about it, by still being triggered, by still holding that negative energy, you're going to keep attracting that. So the willingness to forgive that person who screwed you or, the IRS for taking half your money or, or whatever you're angry about the willingness to say, all right, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to process the feeling and, and forgive it and let it go. Forgiveness like releases the frequency of energy that attracts it to you. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree that when we release that forgiveness, I feel like the goodness flows back into our lives and holding on to the forgiveness is almost like a block are holding on to the bitterness or anger or the feelings of betrayal and just, you know, holding tight and not wanting to let go or not wanting to allow that forgiveness to take its place does kind of block us from moving forward. And then we just stay in that holding pattern, hence the completely revolving broken record. So once we are able to identify this 
we're bringing these things into our lives. We're starting to unravel them. We're starting to release them. We're starting to feel forgiveness. How do we keep the momentum? How do we keep going and moving forward? For example, you paid off all of your debt and you continue to move forward. What were kind of, give us some, I don't know. I, I don't know if you can exactly give us some steps that can relate to other areas of life that we can kind of know when we're moving into the next phase. So one thing that you'll notice if you've done the forgiveness process and process the feelings and, and let it go is that your reality will start to shift, mm -hmm. which is awesome because you get feedback saying, oh, okay, I'm on the right path. Yay. Mm -hmm. So when things start to shift around you, it gets really interesting because you, because you see, oh, okay, I did that forgiveness process. And now I'm no longer attracting the same type of, of men into my life. Yay, good for me. Um, and so you'll start to see it shift. Now, if it doesn't shift, that's interesting as well, because then, it, you know, you recognize, well, I'm still holding on to some of these, these feelings of anger. You know, so, so just really looking at what's happening and, and what's going on in your reality is really good clues to see if you need to do more work on, you know, forgiving um, anger or, or releasing anger or releasing the hurt or emotion. So you'll get feedback. That's the nice part is we're in a feedback loop. Mm -hmm. We're not operating in a vacuum. So if you start to see that your finances shift, it becomes easier to save money and get out of debt. That's awesome. Um, or if you find you're just basically interjecting a layer of consciousness into your life. So for example, money. Okay. So if you find that you have a tendency, which I did, to uh, deal with your negative emotions by online shopping, <laughs> retail therapy, you know, every day a new pair of shoes arrives or a new mm -hmm. dress arrives or new, uh, new home decor item arrives. That was mine. And, and you're recognizing, okay, every time I get mad or upset, you know, instead of really dealing with the feelings, I'm going shopping. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what I was doing. And that's where a lot of my money was going. And so sometimes like, like an old addict, right? I get upset. I'm like, let's go to amazon.com. I want to buy a pair of shoes. And then, <laughs> so, you know, stop yourself and say, do I really need a pair of shoes? I have 30 pairs of shoes here. Um, and, and it kind of becomes funny. You're like, okay, I'm actually upset about this. I don't need the pair of shoes. Um, and, and sometimes you legitimately, it's okay to occasionally spend money on something you really love. But if it's just this, habit of suppressing your feelings by uh by buying a pair of shoes you can even do this sometimes habits are hard to break you can say all right i'm emotionally buying a pair of shoes bye <laughs> that's the first step oh i'm i don't feel good about life right now i'm emotionally spending that's true and i think that's part of like um how we self-sabotage uh, for me, it's not necessarily spending, but because I'm a health nut, I would be like, I'm going to, what's the healthiest junk food I can eat right now? Or because I, ha I have dealt with emotional eating. So when something happens, the first thing I'll notice is I'm like in the kitchen. Sometimes I'm eating before I even realize I'm actually feeding my emotion instead of my body. And so I think one of the things that helped me to stay on track was to have a bunch of healthy things in my fridge all the time. And so it kind of, it's still feeding your emotions when you're chomping down on celery and crunching away your anger, but at least 
<laughs> you know, it's not the same as potato chips or right. you know, another junk food. So keeping some of those things in there and especially for some reason, the crunchy things is what I would go towards is that crunch, you know, of like releasing mm -hmm. the anger. And I would find myself in there maybe eating a celery stalk or, or a piece of carrot. And then I would recognize because of that crunch, it would mm -hmm. remind me that I'm eating my emotions. And I mean, it just helped to be aware of it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just wondering for you, uh, you, so for you, you would emotionally purchase the item Shop. for me. I would switch over to a healthy thing to emotionally feed myself. And after a while, I got to the point where I would recognize it when I went to open the fridge and instead, okay, I'm just going to drink a big glass of water. I'm not saying that I never emotionally eat. And I'm sure that there's probably times when you find yourself making oh. purchase, maybe not as frequently, but do you ever revert back to your um, old methods? No, you know, the interesting part is once I had a level of consciousness that, oh, I'm, I'm emotionally shopping now, you know, and then I, the first thing I did was I, I, I recognized I'm emotionally shopping right now and I'd buy it anyways. But then what happens, and, and this was the next step for me is like, I'm emotionally shopping right now. I'm on amazon.com and I'm looking around at shoes or whatever it is, mostly shoes. Um, and I, I'd be sitting there and like, I have like, my closet is full of shoes. Why am I looking for another pair? How am I feeling right now? You know, oh, I'm angry. So then I'd stop the Amazon thing and say, okay, now why am I angry? What in my life generated that, that feeling? And, and I go and I, oh, well that, that man did that. And now I'm feeling angry about that. It triggered the script. So the awareness is the first step, but then you can kind of say, all right, I'm going to deal with the feeling instead of trying to suppress it. And, and that was the next step is like, well, let's just sit with the feeling. And that's really hard because the tendency that we all want to do with emotional eating or, you know, whatever it is, is your thing, shopping, emotionally shopping is you don't want to feel the feeling. Right. And you want to suppress it. It's like, go away, go away. Let's watch TV and eat a pint of coconut ice cream, you know, or whatever it is, like go away. So um, the, the bravery comes in of, of wanting, you know, recognizing the feeling and feeling it and then unwinding it. Like what story am I running that created this feeling now? And I feel like that's when your outer reality starts to shift so you don't have to emotionally eat because you're not getting triggered, you know? So once you unravel it, you're not going to, you're not getting, stuff isn't going to happen that makes you angry as often, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like you, like, you know, now I go, you know, days without really getting triggered or, you know what I mean? Like I can go long periods of time and, and the longer you go, the, the more that, you know, Oh, I'm making progress. I'm unraveling my own scripts. And, and, uh, and, and that's awesome because now I don't have to, you know, get triggered and then I don't have to shop or eat as a response. Like I'm not <laughs> triggered all day. That's weird. You can go a whole day or maybe a week without getting really triggered. You're like, what's wrong? I'm not like triggered. This is really weird. So that, that's another thing is when you process all your stuff, you'll get triggered less and less. And it can almost become like empty, like, you know, it, because it, it, oh, what if I'm just happy all the time? Oh, you know, that's weird. Um, Cause I was so used to living in a state of being triggered like, constantly, right. right? Yeah. So I think a lot of us get, we stop at the recognition. So at some point, you know, maybe we're in therapy or we're seeing, you know, a life coach or whatever, and we recognize 
that we're doing these things. Oh, okay. I recognize I'm emotional. You know, I'm eating my emotions or whatever you recognize it. And then you try to replace that bad habit or you just want to stop the bad habit. And I think what I'm hearing from you that a lot of us fail to move on to the next step is to recognize it and then sit with those emotions. Mm -hmm. I think even myself, I'm just speaking from experiences that I do recognize that, but then you're like, okay, I've got to stop eating my emotions and set you what else we replace it with another bandaid. So Mm -hmm. instead of eating, I'm going to go exercise or I'm going to go like, you know, shopping has never been my thing, but maybe that would be my next go-to thing. Instead of, we're still not dealing with whatever's going on. We're trying to find a new, I think that a lot of people do that. I mean, I'm just speaking from my own experience. Because when you're really upset, like emotion can feel like death sometimes. It can be so intense. It's uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. So if you're really mad or somebody triggered you or you're really sad and you feel like you're, you're just falling apart inside, nobody really wants to sit with that. So here's, here's where, uh, you know, to start a meditative practice when you're in the midst of that to unravel it, it, it's, it's really, really hard, but that's what I think it takes is to, okay, I'm emotionally eating. Let's just set that aside. What am I feeling? Let me sit with this. You're not going to, it feels like you're going to die. Sometimes the emotion's so intense, but if you can like have the wherewithal and the bravery to just sit with the feeling Mm-hmm. and breathe into it and say okay let's see what this feeling has to tell me mm-hmm. and and that's really hard because you have to let go of control which I'm like a little bit of control freak um sometimes mm-hmm. so just like let go of control and let that feeling kind of you know envelop you and and what what's the lesson from this feeling and sit with it and maybe you have to meditate with it for 30 minutes and then what tends to happen is you're sitting with this feeling and you're meditating it the feeling starts to dissipate but then I, I get like pictures of, of this process of the feeling. Here's where it got triggered. Here's where it got triggered before. Here's where it got triggered before I get this like pictorial viewpoint of unraveling the feeling into the origin. And, and when you get down to the origin, let's say, oh, well, this is anger that, you know, I felt when I was five years old when this person teased me. Let's unravel that and sit with that as a five-year-old. You unravel that and sit with that as the five-year-old and then say, maybe I can rewrite this. I'm going to forgive that person that teased me and rewrite this script right now. And say, I'm going to create something where that person loved me. Like we hugged. I forgive that person. We hug. And, and then let that ravel up and create a new, a new emotion, release the trigger. Right. And if you can do that every time, your, like I said, your, your reality, that, that trigger doesn't need to happen anymore. Wow. So do you think sometimes that we hold on to this just for whatever reason, we just don't let it go because we've held on to it for so long? Or what are some of the reasons why we aren't, you know, because I'm seeing this and I'm thinking about the imagery of it, you know, imagining forgiving that person or someone who hurt you in your childhood or whatever. What is um, one of the reasons, Link? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, but do you think that this happens and we get stuck in this pattern because we just don't want to let go of it? I think that we want to believe or want things to be fair and just. Right. Like our whole, like our whole legal system is based on this concept of justice. Like we Mm -hmm. want, there's some belief, I feel this in myself, that this idea that somehow life should be fair. 
Mm -hmm. and that that shouldn't have happened and that person's bad and I want revenge. It's so I want them to atone for their sins. Right. And I see people get stuck on this, you know, this is like somehow they're only going to be happy when that person's life, like they can like harm that person. When it gets brought to justice until it's brought to justice on some level, whatever that means, you know, though they're in jail now, now I feel good Mm -hmm. or or what I don't even know what that really means because if you really chunk that down, it's like, what does that mean? What would actually make this okay? Hurting mm-hmm. another person now, does that now make this okay? Right. Or if that person winds up in jail, is, are, is now that okay? You know, I, I think justice is kind of this endless, you know, pit because it's never gonna be okay even if that person is in jail because mm-hmm. it still happened. So and on some level, I'm thinking beyond justice, we're looking for some kind of closure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how and, can and we go, how can we go about getting to the closure when there really isn't a justice? I mean, whenever some, there is an injustice done, you mm-hmm. are betrayed, you are hurt, you are violated or whatever. And say the other person gets off scot-free, you mm-hmm. still need that closure. And that's forgiveness. And it doesn't make that person, you know, what they did, like, okay, we're Mm -hmm. not telling the universe, oh, well, that's okay, you know, everyone come and treat me poorly, and you know, what what you're doing is that's how you create closure, because the only thing that's hold, that's keeping you attached to that energy and that event is your unwillingness to, to release the anger or pain and let it go, and, and that's, that's closure. Because once you don't care, you're done. You're done with this. Yeah. Oh, I can, you said once you don't care. I just was like, yes, yes. Oh, I can feel that feeling. Once <laughs> it's you're such like a kind good, of neutral. Especially yeah. when you've been betrayed by someone you really care about. I mean, I think almost sometimes it's worse than an injustice done to you by a complete stranger because it's personal. Mm-hmm. When it's someone close to you, it's really personal. And I think, um, yeah, I, I can, I could just feel that sense of relief even when you said that. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, people have affairs or, or, you know, like all this stuff, people steal money, like your, your, you know, your employee steals money from you. I mean, now it's really personal, right? So it's like, um, and, and forgiveness doesn't mean like now you say, oh, come be a part of my life, you know, oh, I right. love you still, you know, that, that, that doesn't mean you're a doormat. It just mm-hmm. means that, you know, you're, you're letting this whole energy go Mm -hmm. like if you can fully forgive an affair that's amazing Mm -hmm. and you're releasing the frequency energy that attracted it and you won't attract that again if you fully processed and release it you're not going to attract that right i fully forgive you and i still want you to be a part of my life but i'm not going to go into business with you again (laughs) or it's okay to say i fully forgive you and we don't need to be a part of each other's lives anymore right and it's not out of anger it's just that sometimes people fall out of your life when you're no longer really in the right frequency anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you know, it's like, as you shift and grow, there's, there's people that fall out of your life, kind of a natural, you know, you don't feel negative about it, but it's like this natural shifting and, and different people come in. Right. um, Because you're no longer congruent in your beliefs or wherever you are in your life, you're just, it, it, you're not on, like you say, you're just not on the same plane, but you know, when your beliefs are not congruent, it's kind of hard to continue working together. 
Mm-hmm. Even your vibrational mismatch, as I call it. Because you, you do, when you grow and learn, you shift your vibration. And, and, and it was right or wrong. It's just people are shifting their vibration all the time. So you just attract you know, different things in your life and different people. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad or good. It's just the flow. Right. Like you said, it's not bad or good. And I think I've seen this a lot of times where, you know, two people will be in a relationship or let's say they're working together or whatever, and something happens and both of the people feel like the victim mm-hmm. and they can't move forward. Do you see? Yeah. If, if two people feel harmed by another person, you know, uh-huh. and you're like, let's say you're married and both people feel hurt by their spouse. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so both people feel victims. That means their stories were like a perfect match to trigger yeah. the story, you know? And so uh, that's, that's the lesson is like, oh, that story was triggered mutually at the same time. Uh-huh. How exciting, you know, now we get to unravel our stories. And a mutual trigger is really interesting because sometimes it's like a one-sided trigger. Like one person gets triggered, but the other person's really smooth and, and like cool. Mm-hmm. And, and vice versa. But when people get triggered at the same time, it's usually like fireworks because, yeah. you know, it, it's helpful if only one person gets triggered. I feel like because when both people get triggered, it's just, it's just hard to, like one person kind of has to hold, like, let's unravel this, hold the yes. space. But so that's still your work, you know, even if your spouse is super triggered and you're super triggered, taking, you know, taking ownership and saying, all right, let's unravel this. I've seen that happen with sisters um, where they are both, like you said, it was like the explosion. And I think it's, it's hard because they both start trying to unravel whatever triggered it at the same time. And then they like go off on crazy different paths, but wow, you've given us so much to think about. And this is a lot about what your book is about. And you talk so much in your book about how um, you, your, your personal story, and it's just a lesson for others to how they can unravel these scripts and move forward and get out of those patterns. Yeah. I really want to help people feel, um, let's say unstuck. Mm -hmm. I want to help people say, all right, I'm going to take back my power. I want people to be able to take back their power in, in any situation, no matter how horrendous and how hopeless it seems. Say, I'm going to get my power back and I'm going to create something really new. Good. And and if I can help people accomplish that, and I put my very personal story in there, just because I'm I'm hoping it can show that no matter how bad things are, you can take back your power, you can make new decisions, create different levels, you know, a different life, you can create a whole new life, that's really more matched to what you're you're wanting, and you're you're never stuck, you know, your your income's never fixed, you know, you don't have to put up with people that treat you, let's say, less than how you'd like to be treated. Um, none of this is necessary. You can take back your power and say, I'm shifting. And then when you shift, and that's what point I was trying to get across, when you shift, things do shift. You're not in a vacuum. The universe is a great reflection. And that's what I want. I really want people to take back their power and, and create a happy life. That's because you know what it feels like. And I think it was very brave of you to share your story. It took a lot of courage to talk about all of the things that you went through and the journey you traveled to recovery and how you got there. And I think it was very, very um, courageous of you to share that with us and to let us learn. And I appreciate it so much. And I am going to make sure that all of your information to your website, because you work with people online, not just in the area where you live, right? 
Yeah, um, I do occasional one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, and then my book, I have my books, and uh, then I have the energy healing, which is again, like, let's take back our power with health. Mm -hmm. So all of that, it's all really, my common theme is empowerment. And uh, so there's multiple ways, you know, that um, hopefully I can help. Good. And people can talk, contact you via your website, which is? Um, it's jennifernoeltaylor.com mm -hmm. or uh, spiritualandbroke.com. It all goes to the same place. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much for being here with us again today and for sharing your story and how you got to the other side. And hopefully, myself included, we can um, keep moving forward and kind of get off the track of those scripts. <laughs> yes, I think it's, I think it gets, it gets better. You know, the more and more you're willing to process this stuff mm -hmm. and, and let it go, your life starts to get better. Um, which I love because you see, oh yeah, my life is a lot better than it was five years ago. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love your enthusiasm and I, I, I hope that I will be on the other side soon <laughs> with my storylines. <laughs> thank you so much, Jennifer. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review so other people can learn about this podcast. Find out more about sleep, hygiene, eating healthy, tasty recipes, zero waste lifestyle, and lots more on thatorganicmom.com. Help us spread the word. Be blessed and stay healthy.